I think you also need to give me. Yeah, we're recording now. All right, so you can hear me loud and clear. I could. Can you awesome. hear me? Awesome. Yep, I can hear you. We uh, we had a few technical difficulties. So, anyways, how's it going, man? How are you? I'm doing okay, man. Uh, just you know, the usual. Just busy with work and uh, spending my days uh, doing what I can <laughs> to keep it together. How about you? Same, same. What do you mean? What do you mean? Keep it together before I uh, before we get into it. Keep it together, like you're you're going insane, or what's happening? Um, I'm. I guess you're reading a little bit too much into it. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not going insane. Uh, just you know, mainly mainly keeping uh, keeping yourself uh, in a good mood, given uh, the current limitations. It's yeah. a little bit optimistic, seeing uh, that things are opening up again. Um. Yeah, so, no, I, uh, you know, I, I feel and, and just and just just a way of you spending time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, for the most part, I'm doing a lot, uh, spending a lot of time working, mm -hmm. and and right now, you know, I'm starting to see different ways I can spend my time better. Nice, nice. Same man, I'm I'm really in the same boat here. Busy working, but also trying to exercise, obviously. Not to get fat. I sent you that link, by the way, the insanity challenge. That yeah, was yeah. Something that actually helped me a lot. Uh, one of my coworkers sent that to me, and since then I w I started doing that. And, um, that's really been what's keeping me in shape, uh, mostly. It's important. Um, yeah, it is for sure. I uh, I wanted to chat with you because I know we had a lot of uh, discussions prior to this as well around, you know career progression about growth the future etc etc and um, obviously i wanted to know so can you tell me what did you study at university and then you know your your because i know you founded or started or were part of a lot of uh, <laughs> companies as well you know whether it's with um the the i lead for entrepreneurship or with the uh, hatchery and things like that so i wanted to kind of uh Talk about some of those experiences. Yeah, man, for sure. Uh, so in terms of education, I did industrial engineering in my undergrad, and then I did my master's in uh, uh, my master's in engineering focused on financial engineering and data analytics, mm -hmm. both at U of T. And during my undergrad, I did do PEY, just like most people. I was with Unilever. Um, I was working in a manufacturing plant. Mm -hmm. After that, I did a uh, capstone project with PNG, which is pretty cool. Um, like we'll, we kind of built, we applied what we learned in uh, in our courses in optimization and operations research. What we did is we built a model to uh, to investigate ways in which they can reduce costs, uh, which was also a really cool experience. Uh, in terms of the uh, entrepreneurial route that you asked about, uh, well, between undergrad and masters. You know, I was really excited, and just like everyone else, I had a dream of becoming an entrepreneur. Of course, back then I didn't know anything. Uh, <laughs> so I did uh, was I was really passionate about, uh, you know, like like seeing the difficulties that students face in getting the first internship. Mm -hmm. um, I was trying to recreate, do what I can to solve the problem, and that's what really inspired it. It's uh, with the struggle in. Uh, that a lot of students face uh, towards getting their first experience 
because it's a chicken egg situation, you know, like you need experience to get internships, but you need internships to get experience. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for me, what I was looking to do is to help uh, small, like I was, I was trying to focus on small medium businesses, uh, mainly because they are underrepresented and given the pool of students, everybody was focused on uh, the huge companies, like the big ones that yeah, everybody applies for. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but regardless, um, working in small and medium companies could be a really valuable experience or at least to kind of start building up your profile. So my idea was uh, trying to apply uh, some form of a way to uh, connect psychometric assessments that is assessing your personality and uh, your cognitive ability, etc. Like all these standardized tests. Right, right. To kind of build a profile and helping, uh, helping companies uh, like, if, uh, like it's both ways. A company would do an assessment, a candidate would do an assessment and based on the profile of a specific personality that the company would need for it to fill in a role, they would get matched with candidates that meet uh, these parameters based on what the uh, the student or the applicant does on on the platform. Interesting. And uh, of course, I was a student, right? So, <laughs> what do I know about psychology back then? Uh, so I, I was really relying on third party uh, companies to pull all these assessments together, and then like just build an algorithm on top of it to do some sort of a matching criteria. Now, when I spoke to recruiters, they kind of really liked the idea. And that was the, the key value proposition that they really enjoyed because it would make their life easier in narrowing down like the top 10 candidates that they would need. Definitely. The problem is from a business side, if you want to start a company, you need a feasible business model. And like this is uh, like using these uh, assessments is a variable cost. It's not a fixed cost. I would have to pay more with respect to more volume people uh, mm. using my platform. So the only way you could actually start making money is uh, the, opportunity, the opportunity that we saw was uh, doing the onboarding for the company. That is doing all the forms, uh, seeing what tax returns they could get, doing all the process. From start uh, to finish, yeah. Yeah, for, for the onboarding to make sure that like once you've selected someone, you pay us money, mm -hmm. a fixed amount of money, because you hired him through us or her, and and then we would do the onboarding for them, and they would send us a percentage of uh, like the salary on a biweekly basis. So now this became some sort of a temp agency, uh, because like like that's like the business model for temp agencies. Uh, but, but this is where, you know, we hit the barrier. It was mainly like, uh, companies were like, yeah, well, <laughs> you're pretty much uh, like when you talk to HR, they'd be like, yeah, well, you, you pretty much want to take my job, right? Like it's my job to, to, to sit down and do the onboarding and all this paperwork. It's an HR function. It's like, and we don't need uh, us to outsource this, this task for you and bill us on that. All we want. Although, although I, I should say, by the way, just to jump in real quick. It's not the job of HR to just do onboarding. I think HR encompasses a, a lot more. You know, it also is 
very close to the company culture as well. Maybe onboarding is a small part, right? It is. It is, no doubt. Mm. Uh, it is, no doubt. Uh, I guess the problem that we tr- we're really trying to solve for them is helping them make their job easier. Mm. Because, you know, unfortunately, th- the customers, in this case, are the companies. This is the only way we can make money. Students don't have money to pay us uh, for this process. So, yeah. so at the end of the day, uh, like your entire business case is, is based on what your customers want, right? So it's a, I was inspired by the, by the struggle that students face. But then the way I was going about it is by solving a problem for the companies themselves. And when you start focusing on solving a problem for the company themselves, then uh, this is where, you know, like things kind of get confusing and twisted, um, you know, mainly because now our paying customers are the companies, right? Mm-hmm. And in that case, they were like, uh, like the onboarding piece does not make sense for us. We just want to pay you for you to, to match us with the top 10 candidates that we want. Like that is something yeah. we're interested in. Now, from business side, from business sense, from business model sense, that did not make sense, of course, right? Like, uh, because I can't afford to pay third-party vendors and expect, uh, expect us to be lifted off the ground. Uh, and no investor would want to really invest in, in an idea like that. Yeah. So, then we, so then we were forced to pivot. And then it went, I grounded myself and like our team, we grounded ourselves back to seeing like who, who are we trying to really, really trying to help? It's the students, right? And, and this is where our second pivot came in and which was helping students network with professionals. Hmm. And, you know, this might seem a little cheesy, but the idea was to, uh, to, uh, to help uh, students uh, connect with professionals. Like that is matching them based on past experience, different affiliations and student clubs, education, etc. Like different parameters. Yeah, yeah. For that, uh, we, we did not want to reinvent the wheel. Because there were company, uh, there were there were apps that were out there. Who would already do that? Yeah. Yeah, and for an app to do that, you need people to sign up from both the professional side and the student side, right? Mm-hmm. So you need users for this to actually, for you to actually do the matching criteria, because you need data. You need data, yeah. Yeah, Listen. and for us, because we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, we wanted to leverage what was existing out there, and of course, LinkedIn is. It's the biggest database and of professions, uh, professionals and, and different company brands and different industries, right? And yeah, It just needs to get a little more uh, authentic, though, because, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, back and forth artificial conversations, you know? Yeah, like, like for us, we, we weren't really just, uh, talking about, like, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, we pretty much just wanted to help students uh, st- figure out how they want to go about networking because yeah. it was new yeah. to me when, when I was a student. I didn't know what networking was. I, I didn't know how to go about it, right? And a lot of people, a lot of students out there, it's, uh, it's a little bit scary and overwhelming for them I to agree. put themselves out there and reach out to people. And they wouldn't know how to go about it, what to write, what the etiquette is, you know, how to structure yourself, you know, how to, how to have leads, because at this point, you're like a salesperson, right? You're, you're, you're pretty much scouting and seeing what's out there and trying to build your leads with respect to different companies and different industries, right? And it's a process. So we wanted to, ha- to leverage LinkedIn's data 
And we wanted to have some sort of a CRM and different features within the app that we wanted to build to help uh, a student organize their networking activity and, uh, you know, or structure their interests with respect to industries and sub-industries within industries and what companies do these kind of works, what kind of positions are out there with mm-hmm. respect to, uh, to, uh, to the job boards. So all of that required a lot of integration. And of course, LinkedIn wouldn't give us our, their data. Again, I was naive and I was really ambitious. And uh, we spoke to LinkedIn and they were not interested in giving us their data at all. And, and, and that was it. This is when I realized, like, sometimes you got to know when, when to pull the plug. And I wanted to give myself that experience uh, to, see, uh, and to see it through because mm-hmm. I didn't want this to haunt me afterwards and in case it didn't work out. Uh, and for that reason, I'm glad I actually went through that experience. It really taught me a lot about my interests, the kind of work I wanted to do. And it, it, really, it, it was a really um, informative experience for me to uh, direct my focus and my energy. And that's what I did in my master's. So that's, that's actually a really, really interesting journey that, that you walked me through, obviously, with the first pivot, the second pivot, and your thought process behind, uh, behind all of this. And I should say, you know, most people, they would uh, maybe abandon uh, or even not start a certain idea or execute on it because they might either get overwhelmed or uh, dissuaded by the opinions that other people hold of that, that idea. So I want to know, you went through this and you said that it's helped you, right? Uh, what, mm. what are some things that you think really stand out in terms of, you know, the, the, the lessons that you learned or the experiences that you gained? Have they actually helped you in your day-to-day work life right now as well? Or any change in uh, who or how you perceive, uh, you know, the, the, the business world? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, you, uh, definitely communication and presentation skills. I was uh, every two weeks, we, we had to go on a panel and do a six minute pitch of our entire idea, the business case, the stakeholders, the business opportunity, the business model, you know, like, uh, you know, like was, your projections. The, this was through the hatchery? Yes. The, okay. the hatchery, honestly, is, is really good. It's a great program and mm-hmm. for students to, to go. Uh, of course, it's one of many incubators. There yeah. are many different universities. And UFT specifically, it has a lot of incubators. The hatchery is the engineering one. It's yep. the one for the engineers, right? Yep. And, uh, and actually, like Kepler, it's one of the, uh, like, a, it's a really interesting company now that's... Uh, oh, Kepler uh, is the, the space... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kepler, yeah. Kepler yeah. Is, is, is a Hatchery alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so like, it's a, it's, it's a really great program. Like even, like, even if you don't succeed in terms of getting a startup, like, honestly, yeah. it's, it's really helped me with my, with my presentation and communication skills. Um, and plus, it really gave me perspective, right? It, it really hammered down understanding how to do competitive analysis, how to go about a business model, think about the channels. And of course, w- w- we had to use the business canvas to structure our thoughts and use design thinking uh, to, to really guide the way we want to do our research. That involved, you know, uh, uh, running interviews with users, doing usability testing designing interfaces and prototypes uh, and uh, th- thinking about the research questions that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of 
intricate thought process behind behind design thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was definitely like like the first time I actually put design thinking into action, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was one of the very first times that I've done that, and um, and plus, uh, uh, you know, like uh, it 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 really drove my curiosity more towards uh, thinking about how I want to go about solving problems and uh, uh, you know structuring the thought and how to find root problems and honestly, like the root cause of problems. And honestly, like that is uh, it's, it's that experience that drove my my curiosity to even learn more about design thinking and and uh, and apply it more. Uh, so so moving so moving forward, right? So right now, I assume that, and I mean, I I know you have a you have a day job and you you have a you know basically a nine to five job and you're working in that. You're uh, I think a technical consultant uh, as well, yes. right? At, at IBM and. Obviously, you've had other positions as well, you know, at RBC, getting val- valuable experiences from these corporations. But overall, what's, do you think your plan is to continue on this path or do you want to take another stab at the entrepreneurial uh, life uh, again? Um, I mean, like, uh, it's not a definitive yes or no. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, like, one thing I've learned, uh, looking back at, at the series of evolutions that I've went through, Ever yeah. since I came to Canada and started university, um, like uh, looking back, it was the journey, right? And it was it was the decisions that I've made. And frankly, the one thing I've learned is the importance of of you to trust your journey and trust the process because life is not again it's cheesy and as cheesy as it sounds. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's not a race; it's a marathon, right? And it's something it's something that you just enjoy. And if you even look at a lot of the successful entrepreneurs that are out there. For them, what really made it for them is not is not necessarily like the success that they've achieved. What really made it for them is is looking back about how how interesting the journey was, right? And and then looking back at it and they're like, wow, like I've, I did this and this was a lot of fun, you know? Because eventually, like things get old, and and the faster something comes to you, the more you get, the faster you're gonna take it for granted. So for me, to, so, so so pretty much like to answer your question. Um, like I'm not against looking back into entrepreneurship, but it's not something that I'm particularly emphasizing on as of today, right? Because right now, right now, I'm happy with where I'm at, mainly because there's a lot of things that I uh, that I'm cognizant that there's a lot of things I still need to learn, and in this new job, I am learning a lot of new things, hmm. and I'm really getting a lot of perspective. And what really guided the way that I structure my learning and look at things is what I've done in terms of going out there and starting my own company, like trying to start it, right? Like right. you actually wanting to go and do it. This is when, when you look at things in, in a deeper level, you try to internalize what you're looking at and what you're reading. And you're trying to make sense out of it in your own way and strategize. So it really taught me how to learn. And it gave me that motivation uh, to to actually be invested in what I want to do and 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 really uh, uh, and really internalize everything that I'm learning. So and this so is how you, I think that journey helped. How do you go about that, Mo? By the way, I'm I'm curious to know what's what's your what's your process behind behind learning something? Is obviously I know everyone learns in a different way, but you specifically, right? Like uh, because i've talked to you i'm talking to you today i've talked to you a year ago i've talked to you two years and three years ago and every time obviously i've seen this this evolution behind your behind your thought process and 
behind the way that you uh, structure your thoughts. And I'm curious, how do you go about uh, learning and how do you go about, you know, thinking in, in that way? No, like, I guess, I guess, like, what I'm trying to say, uh, like, for me, at least, uh, when I read something, uh, like, I like, I like to connect it uh, okay. and, 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 re- and really make sense out of it uh, in my own way. Like, in, in the way that, like, I really try to validate my understanding of what I'm reading and, and, and make sure that, uh, it's, and like, now we're getting a little bit hypothetical, so <laughs> I might get lost in the way that I'm trying to. That's fine, this. man. That's fine. Go uh, ahead. But, but, you know, like, well, when you read something, you can just read it. Or when you read something, it makes you think, right? It makes oh, you think okay. about 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 different things you know like what does this mean like how is like how like how is a specific topic or an article that you're reading is going to influence or or the world or it might be about something that's changing in one industry how is this going to impact other industries how is this going to evolve the industry in five years right uh yeah. you yeah. know looking, like looking at what's happening around you right like why would when, when, when people say oh this company is going to be great in five years right and you truly understand and read about this company and understand the business model, the customer base, the competition. And, and you can make your own judgment on why you think they're going to be successful and why you think they or why you think they wouldn't. You wouldn't, right? It's really forming an opinion about it, uh, you know, by truly understanding everything that's involved. And, yeah. and it's that business framework. Like you truly, truly understanding the business framework and the impact of, of the competitive landscape and how that influences the progression of a company or so an idea. Basically, so basically, instead of looking at a piece of information or whatever it is that you're reading as one discrete uh, point, you're looking at how all the different systems are, are interconnected based on yeah. that and developing a perspective out of that, right? Yeah, and many, and honestly, like this is a very analytical way of looking at it. And that's something I've learned. Like, uh, I don't know if it's engineering or still I've always way of looking at it because you like you, you know like you're really trying to connect the dots uh, mm-hmm. with, with everything that's happening that makes sense that makes sense and um, you said that it's not it's not black and white and you're not in a rush so right now you're you know in that learning process and like you said if it comes too fast some things you just take it for granted so right now you're just on your own uh, kind of journey and and learning and just just growing, right? Yeah, and uh, and and frankly, like, uh, and, and honestly, I truly, I truly think that um, you know, so sometimes we only need to take a step back and just and just enjoy what we have, uh, mm. because you know, like, you know, time is a very valuable resource, and it, it's something that we won't get back. So, like, uh, just do what makes you happy. It's it's that simple. Like it's just, like sometimes I've killed. Like I've I've truly drained myself in the pursuit of of a venture or a pursuit of uh, of something that I forget how to enjoy life. Hmm. And, and 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 honestly, like this is where people would talk about work life balance. Work is not work. Work is uh, like, like the way I see it. You know, uh, if it's okay if if you're working long hours, but if you are if it feels like work, if it feels like a chore, like this is this is where you need to take a step back and reevaluate why you're doing what you're doing. In my opinion, you finding your passion is you don't like you you wouldn't even feel the time going by if you're doing something that you're really excited about. Yeah, 
You're in a and flow. this is and this is why, like, I'm not in a rush because I know that once I find my calling or once I find the one thing that really excites me, and I put in the time into it, it becomes my own. That it it becomes something that that uh, that I own and something that I'm really passionate about. I, it wouldn't feel like work, which is why, like, I'm saying that, like, I'm not in a rush. Yeah. Because you shouldn't like force anything upon yourself. Yeah, no, forcing forcing anything just doesn't help for sure. And it might not even be one specific calling, by the way. It might be a bunch of things or it might be one specific thing right now and then five years, ten years from now, it's something else, totally different, right? Of course, of course. And, 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 and honestly, whether you succeed or fail, there's always something to, to be learned from there. Like you should learn from how, why you succeeded in something. But if you failed, you shouldn't beat yourself. And look back and see, like, why have I failed? You know, did I, yeah. was yeah. it, was it something I was doing wrong or was it, or was I not in the right headspace? It can be many different things, not necessarily in how you went about doing something, but in the state that you were in, for instance. By the way, talking, uh, talking about headspace, do you, do you meditate? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Little uh, bit. Honestly, honestly, like, uh, like, I, I guess, I guess like the way I see meditation, I might be wrong. There's not, I haven't read, I haven't read up too much about meditation, but like the way I see it, if, if you are, if you are like just content, like, like not complacent, but content, right? Like you're just in peace, mm-hmm. you know, like, you, like you're not worried, right? Like something yeah. comes up, you're not stressed, you deal with things, you're calm, you're collected. I think that is the purpose of meditation. When you are like, in a, when, you, when you feel overwhelmed or drained or tired, frustrated, whatever it is, meditation, in my opinion, is just a way to, to help you, you know, like release all that stress and, and uh, negativity away from you and put you in a, in a more calm and collected headspace, right? For me, recently, I've honestly been very, uh, like very calm and happy. Uh, with the way things are, which is why I haven't really seen the need to meditate. But I might be wrong, right? Because I'm not, I'm not an expert uh, on this topic. <laughs> and I just yeah, want to point look, that out. Meditation, from, from what, I, what I understand, the way I do it, and I've seen other people say it, talk about it, and put it in practice, is just the whole art of uh, being in the present, right? It's like one negative thought comes into your mind, and there's so many different thoughts, whether from the past or from the future, that come into our mind. If we're able to uh, observe them, put a label on them, they lose their power and they don't have control over us in the way that they always do when we're just subconsciously always worried and anxious and whatever. And by focusing on your breathing or any other thing that's, that's in the present, it can be uh, some noise outside, it can be uh, a line on the road you're focusing on, whatever it is, just as long as you're in the present, then you reach that state that you're talking about as well, where you're, you're content because there's nothing from the past or the future that's, that's out of control bothering you. You know what I mean? Precisely, yeah. And I second that. Yeah. And I personally haven't done it consistently. I, I can't, I, I got to be honest here. I probably do it maybe two times or three times a week, but I, I've been, you know, doing it more regularly and, it's, it's been helping a lot, especially if you're someone who is always thinking, you know, always on, on, you know, it, it helps a lot just to step back and observe these thoughts and say, 
they're separate from from who I am. They're just and and how has it how has it helped you? Like, have you noticed any difference? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm I'm more I'm more calm and in control of uh, my my reactions. Basically, I'm not reacting to stuff as much as I did before, right? Like someone will say something or I have a certain thought pop up instead of internalizing it and um, you know, letting it affect me and uh, really getting drowned basically in that thought because your mind, you get deep into it. It can actually like drown you with thoughts. So you take a step back and you're like, oh, that's, that's my mind is playing something with me again. It's, it's playing a trick again. Like, oh, I caught it again. It's, I'm thinking about this. This is how it's making me feel. And the moment you actually observe it, you're like, oh, that's, that's negative, right? That's, that's negative thinking. You're, you're taking the power away from the thought and putting power into the present. And that's, that's honestly been helpful. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, because it could, it could also be a way of uh, uh, managing your or controlling your own emotions. You know, something that would, you know, still a specific emotion out if you were able to really identify it right away. And having and building some sort of a system uh, to eliminate that emotion if it was counterproductive, then I can, see, I can see how this is, uh, this is helpful. See, yeah, and well, this is full circle to your uh, startup, by the way, what you were talking about, let's say psychometric testing, right? So if, if you continue with that, which by the way, while you were talking, I didn't want to interrupt you, but that's really a great idea because in general, as we move forward, uh, it's, it's good to get these sorts of tests. Now, some people say personality tests are inaccurate, and I can see why. Let's say Myers-Briggs or the Big Five personality, which is more accepted among the scientific community. But in general, if you can stack people up like that, not only can you understand how people would react in certain situations, you know, uh, you can also train them to start covering up those weaknesses and, and gaps that they have. And then on top of that, create teams that have synergy together, right? You're like putting in someone who's more logical with someone who's more intuitive, putting someone who's more conscientious against someone who's, let's say, more creative. All of these kind of play different dynamics in, in a team, right? Yeah, in fact, in, in fact, it's important. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely an, an analytical way of going about it. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, now, you know, if you, ideally... If you have all these data points and and you're really clever in the way that you put people together, that could be extremely effective. And um, I'd imagine that a lot of uh, services companies, when they want to deal with clients, they would uh, they would really be able to guess the persona type of their of their clients, right? Yeah. So th this way, when you approach or you want to communicate, uh, you know, you you do you'd kind of present yourself in the best light possible. Right, uh, to, to accommodate whatever, um, like that person's personality or uh, habits are, or, sure. or the way they like to do work. For sure. Um, now, I don't know how they would account for the bias, though. That's something that maybe you know. Like, how would they know? Because mostly in interviews or different tests, people are much better than than they really are. Right. So. Or maybe they might answer questions in a way that might bias the results. You know what I mean? Mm. I'm not sure how they account for that. 
honestly, like this is a topic that's definitely not in my area of expertise. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how to answer that question. And, 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 you know, like you've mentioned another uh, interesting point that a lot of people would say that personality assessments are inaccurate. Um, yeah. Like I, like I'm not, I'm not entirely sure like how accurate or inaccurate they could, they may be. Uh, but one thing that I like uh, I would say is personality traits change over time. So the personality traits you might have, you know, now might not be the same five years from now because Definitely. Definitely. because of the way that you grew or the way that you've evolved, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like a uh, it's a stable thing. It's something that's constantly changing. It's more dynamic. It's not static. Yep, I agree. I agree, and. Um... There's been a lot of different instances where I actually saw that in myself, whether it's going from being an introvert to an extrovert or vice versa. And in in, in different situations, you might be a different way. But overall, I've done the Myers-Briggs test. I've done the big five. And both of them, for me, they've been pretty accurate. Again, I might be biased because I read something, then I'm like, Yes, that's me, and you know, be biased like that. But I think it's it's really interesting to to know that. And and then on top of that, I read this not read. I saw this video that Yuval Noah Hariri, the author of Sapiens, was talking at Google, and he was talking about how in the future we're gonna have uh, biotech companies um, merge with IT companies to basically create microchips that can. Um, monitor our chemicals in our bodies and then be able to predict how we'll be able to uh, or we will act in different situations and he said obviously this is a little far into the future but all you need is data and advanced computers and to me that was kind of scary looking at it like oh we can actually monitor different chemicals in the human body to predict how they would act in a certain situation it's almost like a movie you know yeah like uh, i guess i guess ideally like you still need a lot of benchmark a lot of yeah a lot uh, of like a lot, a lot of benchmark data and it's it's very unique to like every individual um like i'd imagine like that's something that's going to be incredibly complex it's really interesting to see how that would uh, how that would pan out <laughs> for sure but for yeah sure. but like i think i think uh, we're definitely headed towards an interesting era ahead of us and you know it could be something that scares you, but me, I'm I'm more of an optimist, so uh, I'm actually really excited to see how that would work out because you know I, I people are really concerned about data privacy and you know like exactly uh, you, you right and and, and and frankly and frankly like data privacy uh, has become a really important topic in uh, in, a, in both in government and in terms of private companies that manage data, right? Technology companies. Definitely. And it's become a top priority and really identifying this and create uh, a new product or the way that they want to uh, do an implementation of some sort of a system. And, uh, and frankly, like, I, I believe that, uh, uh, like, like Europe, with the GDPR, I think it's called, um, I'm gonna have to refresh my memory, but it's uh, they pretty they pretty much like set up a new way uh, or regulation in the way that uh, tech companies would have to handle data, okay. uh, and it should, it should give ownership. By the way, huh? 
who enforces these regulations? Oh, it's the it's the government, government. in Europe. Yeah, and uh, and pretty much like a, what it says is that the person who who owns the data is is the is the user, right? It's a consumer. Yeah. Uh, uh, like you should own your own private data. It's mm-hmm. you should you you should own your own data, right? So, like having these kind of regulations and these emotions set in place, I truly I truly think that. If, if, it, if it continues to progress that way, then, you know, the future wouldn't be as bad as people would imagine it is. Like, there's still good in, in, in what's happening. And uh, people are discussing ethics now in terms of implementing exponential technologies. Now, but, I think that, that's really good. I'm just not sure if it's too late or not, because over the past 20 years, or let's say just 10 years, all these corporations like Google, Facebook, um, Amazon, they've, they've gathered a lot of data already, right, um, from, from us. Now, not sure. And, and by the way, the data have already been used in, in ways that were so-called unethical or let's say what Facebook did with, uh, with that company, that scandal that happened. I forgot the name. Uh, Cambridge Analytica. Yes, yes, thank you. So, like, things like that already happened and if if what you're saying is like actually happens, that's that's really good. Like having that privacy as well. But the way the way I see it, all yeah. of this was very new to us. Having having all these tools at mm-hmm. our disposal, at institutions' disposal, for them to leverage mm-hmm. and execute on, uh, we didn't really we didn't really understand the implications and the level of influence. Yeah. That that like these tools would actually have uh, whether on a country level or even on a global level right and now and, and and i truly think that mistakes needed to happen for people to learn yeah. and understand the risks and really help them understand the consequences of having this uncontrolled that's right a fair, that's a fair insight yeah yeah no i i see what you mean that makes sense so that's so uh, this is why, like, right, right, like, you you don't know what you don't know. So when you dive into something and you make a mistake, this is why people would reflect and people would would have whistleblowers that would call it out, right? Like, this is wrong; it shouldn't happen. And yeah. then ethics need to be built around it, and best practices need to be identified, and the right stakeholders need to actually come in, uh, like stand st- stand to it and do something about it, right? And mm-hmm. and and seeing that how data privacy has become a very important topic, especially right. after what happened with Facebook, right? Uh, like, I see it as a step to, uh, like, a progress. I, th- I see this as progress. It's a step forward. People learned, and now they're taking action. Yeah, now they're right? aware of the, yeah. of the implications. But, that, but yeah. if, you, if you focus too much on, oh, like, this is our reality, and things are not going to change, it's only going to get worse, yes, it could. Or... Yeah, you can have more inf- uh, people who are influencing progress towards something that's uh, that's actually productive for our society. Because right now we're still evolving with all of this. It's so new to us. All of this happened in in what in twenty years, the mm-hmm. dot com era, and along with uh, all all technology and digitization and everything that's that's happening around you. It's, it only happened in the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Like if if you look at if you look at the grand. The, the grand scheme of things, in my opinion, we're still adjusting to what's going on <laughs> as a society. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. I mean, the, the change to your point was so fast that 
we couldn't see some things coming and now we're scrambling yeah. to learn and, 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 and honestly like bad actors help you identify the vulnerabilities in the system like something that happens with covid right it really helps you understand the vulnerabilities in supply chain and companies would say that oh cutting costs and efficiency is the way to go before the pandemic and when they got hit hard because of all the sudden you know like uh, shutdown that happened yeah, yeah. they now rethink they're like you know what no resilience is more important than than just flat out cutting cutting down cost we need to make yeah. sure we survive right so so it's people they don't know what they don't want and they're constantly like a- adapting and we are we're really good at adapting and we have all these frameworks and all these tools around us to really help us um, actually leverage them for productive uh, use cases rather than just you know looking at like just exploiting it but people that do exploit and do like to take advantage uh for whatever reason it it helps it helps everyone see that you know what we have a vulnerability there how are we how are we going to address it and i'm sure like i have faith that you know like it could uh, it could be a really a really great way of learning from uh, from these mistakes and and improving it you have, a, you have a really good point, man. It's like we almost need these extreme situations to happen to, like you said, point out the blind spots and the, and the weak chains within the system. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, Mo, I think we're well over, I don't know how long, 40, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. Uh, yeah, man. But I, I certainly do think we can talk for like hours on 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 time so i know let's cut this one and then recircle back to some other points in in another conversation i want to i want to talk with you about yeah man i'd uh, I'd love to this was this was really interesting though man i know we uh we scheduled this and we went back and forth but finally made it happen so i appreciate you putting in the time oh no worries man uh i was uh it's always a pleasure for me to come on and talk to you and thank you, and thank you for having me. Thank you, brother. Yeah, you too, man. I'll talk yeah. to you. I'm right, and stay safe. Take care. You too, bro.